Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so glad you're here. Got a super fun, super fun episode for you today. This is something that most of you have never seen. Uh, Micromanagement in veterinary medicine. No, it does happen. I, I will tell you it does. We are going to the mailbag. What do you do when you are working for someone who is managing the bejesus out of you? That's what we're going to talk about. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. Hey guys, Dr. Mark Alcott is a friend of mine. He's a uh, emergency veterinarian. He came to the first Uncharted Vet Conference. His company, Vitus Vet is on a mission to help front desk heroes with easy-to-use technology that reduces phone calls by 70% while boosting revenue. You'll have more time to do what you do best, and that's help clients and heal pets. The Vitus Vet platform includes unlimited two-way text and picture messaging, digital service and refill reminders, appointment scheduling, a practice app that's branded to your practice, monthly payment plans for clients, and checkout tablets that work anywhere. It's all included, and it integrates with most veterinary PIMs, Uncharted listeners get two months free. Learn more at vitusvet.com slash uncharted. That's vitusvet.com slash uncharted. And we are back. Me and Stephanie, I want to thank you for letting me be myself God. (laughs) I love that one. Oh, man. (laughs) You are... You ready for tonight? Tonight, the night that this podcast comes out? Yes. We're doing... I was trying to think, what is happening? There's... the um, Duh. Yes, of course I am ready. We've got our workshop tonight. And if people uh, are hearing this and they're like, oh, crap, I forgot that, you can grab it. Like, but you better listen to this the day it comes out, which is good good form in, in, in general. You should... Jump on the Uncharted podcast the minute it comes out because you just never know. You never know what's going to come into our into our brains or into the mailbag. Right, that's and, true. And uh, I we have had some really great questions. Heck yeah, Heck yeah. From the mailbag lately. Like they're 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 great, and this one is no exception. Yeah. Uh, this one uh, this one came to us from a listener, and I'm going to call them. C stands for cat because they just okay. signed it. Sincerely, C. So C is going to stand for cat. So cat uh, says, "I've worked for a few vets that have a hard time giving things up. They'll give me a project, but then do it themselves, like updating protocols or making a closing list. One would let me do it, and then when I gave it to her to give the official air quotations okay on, uh, then she would completely redo what I had done." And others uh, will dwell on small things until they're done, even if uh, they know that we don't have time to work on projects. How do you deal with this? How do I help tell them to either trust me or lose me? Help. I love the last line of this. How do I tell them to either trust me or lose me? Because that is the choice. Like it, comes, uh, totally. it comes down to that. And with your good technicians... You either trust them and let them let them let them do what they're trying to do, or you will lose them. Yeah. Uh, I think competition for great technicians is going to increase, uh, and I think that there's places that will that will take them from you because they will let them work at the top of their 
education and licensure and technicians enjoy it. Nobody wants to be a dog holder for 30 years. Yep. So, I totally agree. Okay. I totally agree. Let's, let's just start unpacking this. Cause this is, first of all, let's start with validation. This is extremely common. Yeah. It's extremely common. I have theories. There's not data to back up these theories, but I'll tell you what my theories are as, as I'm always willing to share my <laughs> ideas, opinions, and theories. But, uh, <laughs> extremely common. Okay. Let's, so let's get into the philosophy here. Like let's, okay. let's assume this is a doctor problem, which I think, very, very frequently, this is the doctor problem, not the technician problem. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about if it's the other way, but but let's assume this is exactly what's being reported, which is the doctors are not handing over stuff, and we're going to assume that Cat is doing uh, competent work, mm-hmm. not things that need to be fixed. Okay? All right. Headspace for this. Number one know that this is very, very, very common. The reason it's very, very common, in my opinion, in my experience, is because veterinary medicine attracts a uh, the perfectionist personality type. The perfectionists mm-hmm. are the ones who got into veterinary school by getting straight A's their whole life mm-hmm. and thus being able to outcompete the you know huge number of people who apply to vet schools for mm-hmm. a relatively small number of seats. They tend to be very good students who got A's the whole time. That's not universal. I will tell you that was not me. Uh, and, and that is not a lot of my friends, but that is a big chunk of veterinarians. They never yeah. got anything less than an A their entire academic career, which put them where they needed to be to blow out the top of the, uh, of the, of the GRE, uh, or Vimcast or whatever they had to take or the SATs, all those things. So you have a lot of people that are just bound and determined at a deep but like emotional level to get it right. And in a way that's really good for a doctor. I would like to have a doctor that's a perfectionist. I'm not looking for a doctor that's doing like, ah, it's good enough. Right. You know, um, <laughs> I want my doctor to be a perfectionist. At the same time, I will tell you that perfectionism is a weakness. And I used to say I was a perfectionist. It's because like you'd go for a job interview, you know what I mean? And they would say, what's your greatest weakness? And I always wanted to give them something that was backhanded. Like I care too much. Right. I work so fast. (laughs) Other people get frustrated. (laughs) You know, like I just, this is some bullshit, you know, like it's a weakness. Like I, um, I'm too loyal and, um, I work so hard. My wrists hurt at the end of the day. Like some garbage that, right. And so perfectionism for me was on that list of like, Oh, I'll tell them I'm a perfectionist and that's my weakness because it's really not a weakness that anyone sees. I am here to tell you that it is a weakness. If you're truly a perfectionist, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the biggest, um, the biggest problem in veterinarians period. I, I, this is a firm belief. I'll, I'll give this to you. I'll tell you straight. Poor delegation is the single biggest weakness holding veterinarians back period full stop. And that that's what I believe it's veterinarians not being able to give things to their support staff. You use their support staff that is career limiting that uh, impacts their happiness. It messes up their work-life balance. Not being able to give those things away is the biggest obstacle uh, and, and, and career work-life balance happiness uh, problem facing veterinarians in, in my opinion, in my experience. 
I I agree. I agree. A hundred percent. And it's um <laughs> I I would also agree with you totally about perfectionism being a weakness. Uh it actually is a weakness um for, for me. because uh, surprise, surprise, it mm-hmm. will surprise no one. Um <laughs> that I am a type A uh personality to a degree. And I, it just need, I like, let's just get it done. Um, but I want it to get done well. And it, I will, um, fuss things to death if you Mm -hmm. let me. And because I want it to be good. If I'm going to put it out there with my name on it and my, um, you know, backing behind it, then I want it to be good. And I, when I started down a management path, I really thought that that was a good thing. And like you, I was like, I, you know, I want this to be the weakness that I put out there, but I have learned over the years that it actually really is a a weakness. And you taught me the, the saying, you say it so much better than I do, uh, that, um, you know, perfect is, is the enemy Uh, of done. And that was a really hard lesson for me to learn that sometimes a lot of the time it is far better to let it be done and to move on with things than for it to be perfect or for it to be done the way that I would have done it or wanted it to be Mm -hmm. done. And that was a really hard, painful lesson for me to learn as a manager. And I think that that applies to a lot of veterinarians too. They want it to be right. They want the client to have just the right information. They want it said just the right way. And those things are important and it doesn't detract from the fact that the delegation skills hold them back in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. And this is, this is that spectrum, right? And so it's not a perfection versus sloppy, you know, choice. That's not it. It's a spectrum. And it goes right. from moving fast, not caring, turning out inferior work products, doing right. a bad job right. to perfection to the level that you can only do one thing in a whole day. Right. Because that is how precise you are being. Yep. Right. Both of those are problematic. The answer is in the middle and probably not right in the middle. It's probably more towards the perfectionist side. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to encourage people to race. You don't want to go, oh, you'll never have the practice you want. So just give up and let people do what they want. You're always fighting that battle. But it is always, there should always be conflict between I want this to be better and I need this to be done because I have other priorities that we need to accomplish to create an overall experience for my staff, for my clients, for my, uh, for my patients, right? That, that means moving, get, that means getting things done, not just one thing. Mm-hmm. So it's that balance of doing a good job versus uh, getting done so that you can move on and get more things done. If you can't delegate as a veterinarian or as a manager or as a practice owner, and especially practice owners is a big thing, especially this is, this is so limiting for practice owners. There is a finite amount of work that you can do in a day because if everything has to have your hands on it, at some point there are only so many seconds in a day mm-hmm. and you you are limited. If yep. you can get to a place where you uh, have done good training and you can sign off on things that are maybe not exactly the way that you would do them, but they are done at an acceptable level, then all of a sudden those restraints break loose. All of a sudden you can go home and have dinner with your family. 
all mm-hmm. of a sudden you can be off on the weekend sometimes, mm-hmm. right? But if you can't let things go, then you cannot be off. And the only solution, if you can't delegate, is for you to work harder. That's the only path. I have to work harder to do more. Yep. And that there, there's no other path forward. If you can give things away, all of that disappears. And it becomes, I can work smarter. I can delegate more. I can do more training. I can hire more people. And the sky is the limit. I am infinitely scalable. I mean, you're talking to a guy, and you know this. You're talking to a guy who has like five different jobs. I mean, I do all kinds of stuff. I mean, everything from, you know, the writing for the for the DrAndyWork.com website and, and, and traveling and uh, running Uncharted. And, and I'm, I'm practicing two days a week. Like, th- like, and I got two kids that are home for the summer because summer camp got, got bad. I get a lot of stuff done. Uh, and, and I hope that doesn't sound arrogant to say. I, objectively, if you look at look at what what we turn out in a week across Uncharted and Dr. Andy Rourke and then uh, the, the, the vet clinic, I do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's because I am comfortable. Because, I, I mean, granted, let me just say I am blessed to have wonderful people in all mm-hmm. of those organizations I'm very comfortable with. But I give that stuff away. It's the only way I could do it. And if I if I didn't do it, I just there's no way. There's just no way this stuff could get done. Yeah. And I would be miserable. Yep. Yeah. I I, I hear that, and I I think it's the same for me. Like people ask me, how do you how do you do all of the things? Well, mm-hmm. I don't. That that's the answer. The way I get all the things done is I have other people that I work with that I have taken the time to build the trust with. So that I can say, I need you to do this thing and know what my weaknesses are and hand those things to people who, for them, that is their strength um, and, and be able to delegate. And for, for the doctors, I think 100% reading this, if we, if we take Kat at her word, like this is a them problem, the delegation thing is, is, yeah. is big. And the perfectionism is, is equally, if not, if not a bigger problem. If we take Kat at her word and say, this is a them problem, not a her problem. And we're laying down the philosophy. The other thing that I would say to Kat is, hey, it's easy to start feeling really down about yourself when you're working with someone who's a perfectionist and they correct everything that you do and they give you stuff and they take it back. Right. Uh, Know that that is what happened. This is not a you problem. This is a them problem. And the old Eleanor Roosevelt quote, um, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. I love that one. That's one of my favorites. Uh, I'd say to the technicians, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Know that this is a them problem, not a you problem. And don't let it undermine your self-esteem or your self-worth. It's just, it's, it's a thing about that person. And the last thing I would say too is uh, philosophically, they probably know this is a problem. They've probably struggled with this a lot and, uh, they're probably aware everyone's fighting a battle. We don't know anything about I think we can, you can be frustrated that someone's not delegating to you or getting out of your way or that you're being micromanaged. I, you can also still be kind at the same time and realize that they're doing, they're doing their best just like you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, so, let's flip it. Let's flip it and yeah. say, what if it's not? Right. What if, what if, what if, uh, what if they are all over cap because she's not doing the work at an acceptable level, right? right. Or she's not doing, she's not doing it the way they want it done. And that is an, objective problem like you we cannot do it the way you're trying to do it that is subpar or it will cause these problems downstream things like that mm-hmm. that happens and that happens and I could, you could even also put it back and put that on the doctors as well even if it is a cat problem 
uh, it, unless she's doing it and she just doesn't care, she's being sloppy, whatever. Um, this is usually a feedback problem. Mm-hmm. And I do see people who feel micromanaged and they're being micromanaged because they're not, they don't know what they're doing or they're not doing a good job or they're not doing an acceptable job. Mm-hmm. And the, but the reason they're not doing an acceptable job is because they haven't been trained or because, and this is a big one, because veterinarians are super kind and compassionate people mm-hmm. to a fault often, which means they avoid giving negative feedback. Yes. The, especially if they're an associate vet. You, and again, I've done the math as an associate vet. You go, I could wade in here, but there is a chance I'm going to make this technician angry. And what she's doing is not really damaging uh, to anything. It's just not, you know, there's a better way to do it, but I don't, you know, it's not worth the social political capital to me to have this conversation. So I'm just going to go along because if I make the text mad, then they'll make my life harder. And so I'm just not going to give negative feedback. And, and I, I've definitely seen that. And I've, I've done that math, right? So this happens. We've people feel micromanaged when doctors or managers are bad at feedback. They mm-hmm. just don't say anything. So instead of saying, Hey, uh, cat, let me show you how I want this done going forward. Or, hey, let me show you what, let's talk about what we did and let's talk about where it goes. And then when we lay out the problem, right? Instead of that, we say, hey, oh, ooh, oh, yeah, no, good, good stuff. Let me just take that for a second. Like, yeah, no, why don't you just give that to me? I'm avoiding conflict with Kat. I think in reality, Kat's getting frustrated because sure. I'm taking everything away from her, but I'm avoiding direct conflict over, hey, Kat, you're not doing it right. Or, hey, Kat, I'm getting frustrated that you're not getting what we're trying to get done here. The most kind thing that you can do is have the conversation with Kat. Mm-hmm. Be clear. Because otherwise, you're both headed for frustration. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the bad guy. And so everyone's going to suffer. Yeah. Especially Kat. Yeah. I, um, I got into it. I got into it with Allison, uh, my wife, uh, in the last couple of weeks. And part of it is we're, uh, we're quarantined together. And one of the things that, uh, has happened again and again in our marriage for both of us is that we will try to send subtle signals to each other about what we don't like, <laughs> you know? And so, so for example, uh, this, you're not going to believe this. I own a beautiful framed poster of the Bruce Lee movie, Enter the Dragon. Uh, It is so cool. (laughs) Stephanie's hand is covering her face and she's shaking. (laughs) (laughs) I don't appreciate your response. Okay. okay, I didn't say a word. Keep going. uh, Okay. Um, I'm feeling unsupported here, but I'm all right. We're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I have a beautiful frame photo, or not photo, a movie poster. Okay. Bruce Lee. He's got nunchucks. Enter the dragon. There's like karate fighting guys across the bottom. <laughs> it is freaking awesome. And my brother got it when we were kids. And my, I don't know how he did it. He convinced my mom to get it framed. And so this thing hung in my brother's room when we were kids. It was the coolest thing we had in the whole house. And uh, for some reason, his wife really put her foot down. And he wasn't even allowed to take it in his house. So I got it into my house. But I've not been able to get it on the wall yet. <laughs> and so what oh. happens is, I promise this is going somewhere. What, what happens is I, I, I would go and I would put it on the floor underneath the spot where I thought it would go. And then whenever I could get Allison's attention, I would say, hey, do you want to help me hang this? 
And she would say, I'm not available right now, or I, um, maybe later, or I, you know, I'm too busy. And finally it came to a head where I said, Alice, it's been three years of me trying to hang my Enter the Dragon poster in various places in our house, and you're never available. And she finally looked at me in my face and said, I hate that. I hate it so much. You will never, you will never hang that in our house. Like, when I die, if I die before you, at that point, you can get one of the kids to help you hang it. I love her so much. I'm like, if you had just told me that three years ago, Mm -hmm. I would have hung it in the unfinished part of the basement that you never go into. And that would have been it. I would have hung it. I would have been like, this is not going to happen. Right. But I wouldn't have had the ongoing frustration of, seriously, we got to get this into the dragon poster on the wall. And Allison's holding up the whole process. Uh And that's, uh, that's a joke, but it's not. Right. Of, 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 um, and I've done, I've done it to her a million times where she'll say, I want to do this thing. And I'll go, ah, you know, I mean, let's not do it this weekend. And so then she asked three weekends later and I go, ah, you know, I don't mean we've got so much to do. And after six months, she goes, I'm tired of you stalling and, you know, and not being available to do the thing. And the truth is I should have just said the first time. I don't like horseback riding or whatever it is. Right. 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 Want to do, I don't, I don't, I don't blue jeans in the summer in South Carolina on a horse, like whatever. And people are, are right. exploding. But, but I just pull that. Up. I do. I, I just made that up. That's not a, a real thing, but, but you get it. If I just said the first time, right. this is the, this is what I really think. Then the ultimate cost would be so much lower. Right. And it's like, it's like when your spouse gives you a Christmas gift that you hate Right. And you go, oh, thank you. And, you know, and then you just don't put it up, you know, right. like, or you don't, right. or you put it into a cabinet and close right. the doors. And <laughs> it's this sort of this scab that sort of stays there. Uh, I have not figured out how to get out of that problem yet, but um, not that it's ever happened because it definitely hasn't, Allison. Um, it's better to have the hard conversation. Right. Than to be super polite and try to send subtle signals we are not as transparent as we think we are um yeah we're not as transparent as we think we are there was i when we talked about the internet dragon poster honestly allison finally said i i hate it i'm not going to do this and i said well why didn't you say that and she said i said that a million times and i said you never said that and she said right i said why don't we look at another place and i'm like that's not the same thing Right. And, and it was funny, even when we ended the conversation, she said, but we finished this conversation. I said to you, this is not going to happen. And I was like, oh, what I heard was if we had more Bruce Lee posters, then it would fit in. And she was like, no, I was just saying it doesn't fit with anything that we have. I heard that we should get more stuff like this and right. then it will fit with the motif. And that's not what she was saying, Stephanie Goss. So you're not going to have a whole Bruce Lee wall in your pool room is what I'm hearing. The jury is still out. It's looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking Allison, unlikely. Okay. Take away point. Allison's head just exploded. And you know who else's head, <laughs> who else's head's exploded? Like I a hundred percent imagine 
a lot of doctors and managers sitting there thinking, oh my God, they're talking about me. And it's not, it's not a bad thing. Like, I, I mean, it, it is something that so many of us struggle with. Like, this is so common. We all as human beings, um, and perfect, particularly those of us who are people pleasers and just like perfectionists, so many of us go into veterinary medicine um, with the perfectionist drive because that's what got us there. Uh, equally, so many people come into veterinary medicine because they are people pleasers and they want to make a difference. And that is hard. It is hard to give very clear no. I want it done like this or no, you are not going to hang your Bruce Lee poster on the wall and here's why. Um, That is a really hard thing to do when you're a people pleaser. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. What has helped me a lot is the firm belief that saying no, you're not going to hang your Bruce Lee poster is the kindest thing that you can do. Like, and maybe you have to get burned enough times so that you really believe that. And maybe I just have where I say, I'm going to have this conversation with a technician because it is, it is the kindest thing that, that you can do. Um, saying to someone that you're mentoring, Hey, when I asked you this question, you took 10 days to respond And that makes me not want to invest time and energy into you. Mm -hmm. Like you go, whoa, that's harsh. Is it harsh? And that's not how I would say it, but is it harsher for me to say something like that than to go, okay, well, thanks. And then just not be available in the future or just passive aggressively take 10 days to answer questions that come from the person I'm mentoring in the future. I see that all the time, you know? Yeah, I see it a lot. Um, I see it a lot in uh, an, a really good example of one that hits close to home right now. So I'm hiring for the clinic, um, and I see it a lot in my manager friends when we're hiring, and we have applicants who very clearly something has happened, or they said something, or multitude of some things that make them not a fit for the job. But instead of giving them clear feedback and saying this thing is is a roadblock for you and setting them free to to find a place where they might be a fit we're like oh well we had somebody with you know more experience or experience that better fit what we needed and so thank you for your you know thank you for applying and then they apply so the next time we put up the job ad they apply again and they apply again and you have the serial applicants and it's because we don't give clear feedback to them And so it's so funny to me when I see these posts go up in manager groups that I'm in because they're like, same person applied for the fifth time and I just don't know what to say. And then you look at what they have said that they have said. And when you, when you look at it, it's like Allison saying, well, let's do it. You know, I, we don't have time right now. What they're hearing is just like what you heard Allison say was that there's a chance in the future that you could have a Bruce Lee wall in your basement. Oh yeah. It's the old, uh, what are the chances? One in a million. So you're right. saying there's a chance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, they, t- I mean, they take it literally when you say right. it, it just, it's not a good time. Right. What they hear is we'll do, uh, let's time. try it again next time. Right. Right. And so, so I do, I do, I do agree with that. And it totally makes sense. And for me as a manager, like it took me a long time to get to that place where I actually agreed and understood with what you were saying, which is that for me, the kindest thing to do is to professionally 
give them the feedback that says this, this is an issue, whatever, whatever it is, if they, um, you know, don't have the professionalism skills, if they, um, you know, have a hard time putting together a complete sentence, uh, if they show up in, uh, you know, jeans and, uh, you know, uh, midriff bearing t-shirt and your dress code is a hundred percent the opposite of that, whatever it is, like if you can't give them very clear feedback about why you are probably going to be faced with, um, getting the same result yeah. <laughs> at some point in the future. Yeah, exactly. They're going to keep trying to hang up the Bruce Lee poster. Right. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> We, we did, we did, uh, let's leave this here. We did, uh, one of our very first episodes, we had Mike Falconer on and we talked about giving feedback. Or, uh, I think we did, co- we did, Dave Nickel came on and talked about coaching. Mike Falconer came on about giving feedback. They're like episodes two and three of the, of the podcast. So way back at the beginning, but those are kind of some, some core building block episodes. If you're struggling with this on giving feedback, I would definitely check those things out. I'm going to be running a workshop in Uncharted. It's a half day workshop coming up later this year. And um, if you're an Uncharted member, you will have access to that as well on giving um, on giving feedback to teams. So that is coming. Let's talk about moving into this and fixing this problem. If okay. you are the doctor, then uh, you got to learn to give feedback. You know, you, you need to say, this is what the problem is. This is what I don't like. This is what we need to learn or you need to train. You know, mm-hmm. you say you need to say if I if you want this person to do your medical records and you're really picky about how your medical records get done, then you need to invest some time into training yes. and be cl- and possibly write down guidelines. Give them a handout. These are the things that are most here are the top 5 things Dr. Rourke cares about in his in his medical records. And right. give them give them out and just say this is what this is what I need. But mm-hmm. that level of clear communication is your friend. Think about being what is kind what is kind overall? Not yeah. right now, because oftentimes yeah. being kind right now is pain later on. Sometimes yeah. you have to be cruel to be kind in the right measure. I am quoting song lyrics all over the place uh, recently, <laughs> and I don't know what's going on. Let's fix this, right? Let's okay. let's, let's give let's cat ask us for advice. Let's go let's let's go with cat and let's say that um, either of these two things may be true. It yeah. may be that we have a perfectionist or that she's not doing it the right way because she hasn't been trained or she hasn't been given the feedback from the doctor mm-hmm. of what they want. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, she's still got to deal with this. And, yeah. and I, I would approach them. I would say to, to Kat, you probably don't know which one it is until you have the conversation. Maybe you do. If 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 it's a repeated pattern again and again and again, you're probably right. dealing with a perfectionist. If it's one thing that you keep having conversations with again and again about this one thing, that's probably a training issue. And so right. that, that's maybe how I would have some idea of what I'm, what I'm dealing with. Let's get into this. Uh, let's start with headspace. Like okay. we usually do. Where's your head at? If you're a cat. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> if I was in cat's place, mm-hmm. I would be reaching for the, the serenity prayer. Like give me the serenity. Yeah. To- accept the things that I cannot change and you know and the the wisdom to be able to see clearly and and know what I can change yeah I love that I love the serenity prayer I think it is absolutely I uh, honestly it's um it is something it's 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 used a lot in in, um in AA groups substance abuse groups uh because it is super empowering and and that's why I always always put it out I I don't I don't care who you are 
Yeah. The serenity prayer is super powerful. So for those yeah. who are like, what is he talking about? Is this some God thing? It, it, it's not a religious thing that I know of. The serenity prayer is essentially, and I'll, I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't have it in front of me. It's essentially, God, give me the strength to change the things that I can. The, um, I don't know. Except- the, the, give, give me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And the wisdom to know the difference is yeah. the most beautiful thing yeah. of what can I change and what must I accept? And that's why I love that so much. And so yeah. that is that is definitely a, a headspace for Kat is acceptance of the position that we're in. Yeah. What, what can I change and what must I accept? And and what is what is the difference? Okay. Yep. Pain comes from struggling, right? If we accept I'm working with a perfectionist, honestly, that by itself reduces the struggle by a lot. Uh, I'm not saying give up, but I'm saying if you're dealing with a perfectionist who will not let you drive the boat and you fight him every day for the wheel, you are going to be miserable because your whole job and life are fighting a person. And if you just say, he's not going to let me have the wheel, and I, it's detrimental to him, but mm-hmm. I have accepted that he's not going to, you know, let me have the wheel and I am going to take care of myself and just not fighting for the wheel anymore. Uh, there is power there. And if that is an uncomfortable place for you to be, um, it may be time for us to, to go find another place where they're going to let you drive. Right. I, I just think, but I, I really do think that all of this comes down at some level to, to, can you accept the person you're dealing with for who they are? And that doesn't mean give up on them, but right. it means if you accept who they are, you will be happier and you will have better days. Well, and the wisdom to be able to judge what can you affect change on and what, what do you need to, to let go of? And I, and I think that that part is really important. The other thing that I think is coming for Kat is some very crucial conversations and probably some hard conversations. And so I think the other part of the headspace for us is, um, you know, creating a safe space to have this conversation yeah. and making sure that um, the, all of the S, the A, the F, the E are all present before you sit down to, to have a hard, that hard conversation. Right. Cause this is going to be, there's going to be a delicate conversation, especially if you're the technician talking to the doctor. So this right. is one of our up the power gradient conversations, mm-hmm. which means you had better be in the right place because it, you, it's a, it's, it's a difficult up the power gradient. So, mm-hmm. Are you safe to have this conversation? S, can you smile at this person? Can you sit next to him? If you are miffed and you can't laugh about what happened last time, you need to wait to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. And the key is waiting long enough that you can smile and be okay. And not so long that you convince yourself this is not a big deal and just let it, let it lie. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is threading the needle, walking the middle path. Are you, uh, can you smile? Can you sit next to this person? A, are you assuming good intent? If you think that this veterinarian is trying to hold you down, that they don't like you, that they think you're stupid, this is not going to go well. If you assume that this person is trying to do the best job they can and they have concerns that maybe you don't know about, um, you will have a more productive headspace as you go into this conversation. Mm -hmm. The F, have they been set up to fail? And what here is my fault? Right. And that's just me getting into a place where I can be productive. Have they been set up to fail? Maybe this doctor really wants technician training to happen and it's not possible or the manager won't let him do it or, you know, they don't, we don't have the training protocols that we should have. And this doctor is feeling very frustrated about that. 
that's how maybe they've been set up to fail. What here is my fault? Did I, have I asked for instruction? Mm-hmm. Have, you know, maybe I haven't understood exactly what they want. And if you can be vulnerable like that and think maybe, maybe, maybe it's me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not getting what they want. You will have a more productive conversation and it's not you accepting guilt. It's you thinking maybe that's a possibility that yeah. this is on me. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and then E is, what's the end result? What do you want? Is it, do you want to get to be, do this one thing or do you want to be able to do a lot of different things and generally take more work off of their plate? Do you want to have more learning opportunities? What, what do you want? And if you know what you want, then you are much better able to ask for it. So that's safe. Love it. All so right. we get in the right headspace yep. and then what? How do we, how do we, what, what kind of conversations do we need to have? We, um, we're going to do the plagues, right? When, uh, so I talk a lot about the plagues, the plagues are, this is sort of the plagues from the Bible in the book of Exodus. And man, we're talking a lot about God today. Um, but, uh, (laughs) but here's the general idea, right? When Moses goes to the Pharaoh and says, Hey, let the, let, let the slaves go. And the Pharaoh says, no, God does not come in and level the city. Right. He starts with the smallest plague, which is like turns the river to blood. Um, and th- th- apparently that was not a big deal. The Pharaoh didn't care. But he started with this small thing that apparently didn't affect a lot of people. Only that like, the eighth plague did the locusts come and eat all the food. And then the last plague did they set out to kill the firstborn child of every family. You know, he got pretty intense. Right. They, didn't start, they didn't start with genocide or with wiping out the food. They started with turning the river uh, red. Okay. Um, the thing to take from that is just, it's amazing how often we do nothing and we do nothing and we do nothing and we do nothing. And then we level the city. Right. That's what I'm right. talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, so think of the plagues and walk it up. Don't start at the eighth plagues or the first plague. What is that? That is, that is the low level offhand conversation, right? That's, this is the, the person probably doesn't even realize that you just discussed this, but this is start it early and just say, hey, how would you like this done? How do you, um, what do you need to feel good about me doing this? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think those are both great questions. And I think, um, I think those are the ones that are easy, especially if you are uncomfortable with the bigger conversations. Like you said, a lot of the time when you ask questions like this, The other person doesn't even realize that the conversation is happening, but it's also going to allow Kat to gather some really important information um, because asking, how would you like this done, does not give the, the boss or the doctor or the owner or whoever she's talking to the option to say, I don't want you to do it. I mean, it does. They could still say that, but you're asking how, not would you like me to do this for you? How would you like this done? Cat is still retaining the power and engaging in the conversation from that perspective, yeah. which is really important first step. Yep. You're definitely setting the expectation of, I'm going to do this. Right. How do you want me to do it? Right. And then you're right. also opening yourself up to training. Right. How do you want me to do mm-hmm. this is an invitation to say, would you like to train me quickly on how right. you want this done? So right. I, I've just found this to be very productive questions to ask when I'm dealing with somebody who I know has a way that they want it done. I want to make sure I do this the way that you want it. Can, 
can we walk through real quickly what your expectations are? I love like there's quick, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying the word perfectionist. I'm not saying anything other than, Hey, I want to do this right. Okay. Walk me through real quick exactly what you want so that you and I are on the same page. That is, that is the first level. That is the lowest level plague. Let's just have these conversations on the floor. Uh, just, just, hey, let me know. The, okay. The larger conversation comes after this is a pattern of behavior. And they're saying, oh, I just do it the way you do it. And then they're still taking it back. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or they're not telling you what they want. And then you're wrestling with them. You've tried to just ask them for guidance. And you've accepted that they are who they are. And that you're still having this frustration. So right. now we're moving on to the larger conversation, right? The stakes are getting higher because I'm getting frustrated. I'm cat. I'm, I'm getting tired of being micromanaged. I'm yeah. being tired of things being taken back from me. At this point, I'm going to have an actual conversation. And this is me saying, Hey, I want to help you. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not going to be about me and my feelings. I'm not going to say I feel undervalued and I feel like you don't respect me and I feel like uh, you think that I'm dumb. Right. All those things may be true and I'm not trying to downplay them and those are valid feelings to have. Don't get me wrong. But that's not a productive conversation. Right. Right. Because it puts the other person on the defensive and they go, but I didn't, I don't think that you're dumb. I would, what do you mean you don't feel, I I, I said, I gave you a birthday card and remember when I bought coffee for everybody? And, and now this is dumb, right? Now we're arguing about your feelings of appreciation versus whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's not helpful, right? Frame it in a way that is going to get this conversation going where you want and make it about them. That, that's really what I want to do is, is try to highlight the benefits to them of me being successful. Mm-hmm. Hey, can we, can we talk real quick? I want to help you get things done so that you can get out of here at the end of the day. I want to make your job as easy as possible. I want to help, you know, I want to help lower your stress level. Mm-hmm. Help. How can I do that? Right. Um, yeah. How, 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 help me help you. That's what we're doing. We're doing the Jerry Maguire. Help mm-hmm. me help you. Mm-hmm. Help me to, to do whatever it is that you want. Something that that's positive or beneficial to them. I want to help you. So you have got to help me. And I found that that is definitely the best way to sort of try to get that, get that conversation opened up. But this is a more face-to-face conversation. Mm-hmm. And when you have this conversation, I do want to have a specific example and say, hey, when we did, when, when I was prepping for surgery yesterday, I did these things. And then I saw that you came back and, and, and checked over it. And that, that's fine. But it makes me feel like maybe I'm not doing a good enough job. And now I am sort of talking about my feelings, but that's fine. Um, it makes me feel like maybe I could do a better job for you that I could, I could save you from having to do those things. I like that better. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like that's, mm-hmm. so that's how I, and if we talk about yesterday as an example, then that gives them something for us both to look at and say, yes, well, this is what was happening yesterday and this is how I felt. And this is what was going on yeah. as opposed to you don't let me do things. And I right. say, what things? And you're like, you know, things. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what things like stuff, stuff all the time. Right. Like, and we've oh. all had those conversations and they're right. Never right. Yeah. And, or, you know, when Kat started this sentence, it was, you know, they're going to give me a project. Well, if you start talking to them about, well, you give me projects, but then you, you take them away or you do them yourself. That feels very different than to say, when you gave me the project to make a closing list for the team, and I made the list 
and then you redid the list, that made me feel like I wasn't able to do the job the way that you need it. And I want to be able to do the job the way that you need it done. So please help me understand what I didn't do so that I can do it the way that you want it done in the future. Yeah, That, that, that is very specific and clear mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and on both sides and so much less nebulous than where a lot of us naturally gravitate to, which is I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling frustrated. I know that it's multiple examples of projects, but you don't pinpoint and you can't, you can't laser focus it. That's where the waters get really muddy and it's mm-hmm. really hard. So having, even if there have been multiple times that the thing has happened to you, pick one. Pick a one specific example that you can make very clear because it will make a dramatic difference. Yeah, I completely agree. Whenever possible, talk to them about how not delegating is hurting them. And that doesn't mean you're not doing this. It means I realize that you, I recognize that you're staying very late at night. Right. And I want to be able to help you with that. I right. feel like you're doing a million things at once and I don't want you to burn out and I want to be able to help you. Right. So what is their delegation, their inability to delegate doing to them? Talk about what they could be doing if they just gave you the thing. Hey, I know that you're trying to oversee this other thing. I want to take things off of your plate so that you can do the things that you care more about mm-hmm. and, and put that out. And the last thing is, what do they value? And this is just a big thing. I always come up whenever you're having conversations up the power gradient. It's always good to know what the other person cares about. And so is it... Um, if you vet, vets tend to fall into three categories, right? They care about um, work-life balance, they care about patient care, and they care about compensation. And so, if I'm dealing with the vet that uh, is a work-life balance vet, I'll say, I want you to get out of here and not feel like you have projects hanging over you, and I want you to get done for the day as early as possible so you can get home and be with your family. Right. If it's uh, a patient care, we say, hey, I want us to work together so that you feel comfortable and it's two eyes looking at a project instead of one. I want you to know that your patients are getting the care that you want. And that right. means you and I need to get on the same page about what you want so I can do it and you can feel comfortable with me doing it. Uh, and, or, or, um, patients will get treated the way you want on the days that you're not here, but that only happens if you feel comfortable with me being able to do whatever it is you want me to do. And then the last one is a compensation is to say, Hey, um, I know that, uh, I know that we're trying to increase revenues. If, I can take things off of your plate, then you can see more appointments Mm -hmm. and you can work up cases and you can do other things that will be more beneficial to you. And so help me to free you up so that you can get more work done. And Mm -hmm. those, those are just, those are the three big examples for me. Uh, Every vet is a little different in the mixture of what they care about in those things. Uh, Figure out your vet and just figure out what, what sort of motivates them. And I, I lean into those things, but those, that's how I try to have that conversation It's not about, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling unappreciated. I'm feeling un- unvalued. You're uh, being dumb. You're micromanaging me. It's more, right. let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. Cool. And that's the larger conversation. And the largest conversation is where Cat is now. And the largest conversation is how do I tell them to either trust me or lose me? And that is the last conversation. And at some point, we do come to a place where that is what is going to happen. Yeah. You are going to let me do stuff or I am going to leave because there is a shortage of technicians and good techs are in high demand and I could work somewhere else. Yeah. And so I say to you, what is kind? Yeah. 
what is kind? What is kind is telling them I'm going to leave if yeah. you don't let me do things. Yeah. And you don't have to be that direct. I don't ever want it to sound like a threat. Do this no. for me or else. No. But I would be transparent to say I am getting frustrated that I'm not getting to do things and well, they're being taken back. And I think that I think that it's really important that um, and one thing that we, um, particularly in medicine, veterinary medicine, I have noticed struggled with struggled with a lot, um, is actually communicating the gravity of the mm-hmm. situation. And it's like when we're talking to those owners and they're like, um, you know, uh, but what about, you know, what are we going to do about the limping? But you've just told them that the dog has cancer, right? Like that mm-hmm. you're, you, there's gravity to the situation, but they're not seeing what you're saying. And I, and I think that that's something that we struggle with um, a lot. And a personal example for me is um, uh, very personal. At my, at my last clinic, I was having struggles with um, the, the workload and the balance. Um, and so I sat down with my practice owners and I had a conversation with them. And I said, look, I need you to understand where I'm at. I don't want to quit. I don't want to give up. However, I feel myself burning out. I am giving everything that I have and I need help to make this change because if we can't figure out how to make it change, I don't think that this is sustainable for me. This is not saying I'm going to leave tomorrow. I'm going to leave two weeks from now. I am willing to give this 110% and try and fix this, but I need this to be a two-way street. And if you can, you have to figure out a way to make them see the gravity where it's it's not a threat and it's also okay for Kat to acknowledge she has hit that point where I either need them to trust me and let me do the thing or lose me. Yep. And so it. it's so hard, but that's so, it's such a hard thing to do. And so this is where for me, before you sit down and have a conversation, for me personally, when I did this, it was very much like, I need to map this out and I need to figure out what I want to say and how do I want it to say it because I don't want it to be an emotional response because I've had a really crappy day and someone's thrown one more thing at me and now I'm lashing out. I really wanted it to be a productive conversation because I wanted it to be kind. I wanted to say I care so much about the work that I'm doing, the people that I'm doing it with, and I care about this business that we're building together. And here's why I need you to hear me. For that, for me, that felt like that was the most kind thing that I could do. And then if we can't figure out how to solve the problem, I 100% could feel at peace with saying, I tried, I gave this my all, and now I'm going to move on. Yep. And not look back. I completely know? agree. I love I love the phrase, this is not sustainable for me. Yeah. I, I, because it doesn't, it's not an ultimatum. It doesn't give a sense of immediate urgency, but it does tell them what's coming and right. and what the consequences are. Yeah. So I, I love that. Use that relationship lever, right? Talk mm-hmm. to this person as a friend, talk to them as someone that you care about and they care about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, be be clear. And ultimately, you have to decide what can you accept. And if the fear of leaving and going somewhere else is greater than the pain of accepting that you're going to have things taken away from you or you're going to have to watch the doctor do things, Mm -hmm. then stay where you are. And if the pain of having things taken away from you and having the doctor watch over your shoulder is greater than um, 
than the pain of leaving. And if you have tried to fix that solution or that problem and you haven't been able to, then it's, then it's time to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have worked in that environment in the past where a very good friend of mine was uh, also a technician at the same clinic. So we're dealing with the same doctor and we both were in the same place where we were frustrated with the situation. And the end result was we took two very different paths. One of us said the, the fear of leaving this, the devil that I know is a bigger fear to me Mm -hmm. than than accepting this doctor for who they are and knowing that I'm not going to be able to change these things. And uh, one of us chose to stay in that position. And the other one of us said, I, the bigger issue for me is not being able to deal with this. And so the better thing for me is to know that, own it and say, I'm going to go. And so, you know, I think that that, I think that that's something that I see so many people, especially young technicians and managers who, when I hear them look the reality of the situation in the face and own the things that they cannot change. Um, so many of us are afraid to say, but I could, you know, I could go somewhere else and you could, you could go somewhere else. Like you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to stay in an environment that really truly is not sustainable for you or working for you. And so I think it's about, um, like you said, using the relationship lever and really having the, uh, the personal internal conversation with yourself to figure out what can you accept yep. and, and you got to be able to own that. Yep. I agree. And so a string of three of sort of my favorite sayings together to sort of wrap it up for me anyway, is remember no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. This yep. is often about the doctor and not about the technician. Mm-hmm. You cannot change someone who doesn't want to change. Yep. You cannot make them change. Now, granted, yep. If you don't try or you don't tell them how you're feeling, that's that's undermining the whole thing. But you cannot make someone change if they don't want to change. And that should be a flag for acceptance. And the last thing is when someone shows you what they are, believe them. If mm-hmm. you have had these conversations and they are not changing, yeah. don't tell yourself that they're going to change next month or next year. I mean, you clearly communicate it. You be kind. You give them the information. Um, and then you just you're going to have to accept that this is who this person is and they have shown me who they are and I can accept them and stay here or I can decide that they're not the person I want to work with or for and you can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sweet. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah. Thank you. This is a good one. I, uh, I, my heart goes out to Kat. I hope that um, either way, I hope that she either um, maybe listens to this and goes, okay, I can sit down and, and have the, the crucial conversation and tell them I need you to trust me or you're going to lose me um, or that maybe she already got to the point where she was like I cannot change this person and this is not going to change and so I'm going to choose what's right for me and I'm going to walk away I either way well, either way I would applaud <laughs> yeah definitely yeah well I'm going to go into the closet and look at my Bruce Lee poster <laughs> and I will talk to you next week See you guys. Have a great week, everybody. Have a good week, you guys. And that's what we got for you today. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. If you have questions for me and Steph, shoot us something into our mailbag 
the email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Give us enough meat to work with, and we would be happy to tackle your questions, concerns, problems. We love it. We live for it. Also, if you're getting a ton out of the podcast, I would mean the world to me if you would write an honest review on iTunes. That's how people find us, and uh, it just makes my day. Okay, anyway, 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 guys, I hope you're having a great summer. Hang in there. I will talk to you very soon. Bye.